Beautiful. It's not a word I'd use to describe myself. I wondered why anyone would ever love me, much less like me. I didn't even like myself. I felt so empty and alone. So I used anything, anyone to fill the void. But God saw more in me than I did. And now I have changed in the best sort of way. I'm permanently marked. Christ made me new. Good morning, Parkway Church. Hey, y'all doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're gathered together at Parkway Victoria or Parkway Port Lavaca or at the Tree or even Parkway Online. We are so glad that you're here with us today. I get the privilege of introducing to you our guest for the day. Amy Smalley is going to be sharing from the Word of God today and encouraging us and inspiring us to take our next step with Jesus. Amy and her husband, Michael, have been friends of Parkway for years. Amy and Michael have a phenomenal writing and speaking ministry. They also have what quite possibly is the most impactful marriage coaching or marriage counseling ministry in the whole country. And we are grateful for them. You might remember Michael, if you're a longtime Parkway, or Michael was uh, the transition pastor just before I came. So you can either say thanks to him for leaving or you can beg him to stay the next time you see him. But they have been good friends of Parkway from the very beginning. As Amy comes to share in just a moment, I, I just need you to know that her husband, Michael, sent me a crisis text this morning. Uh, it's never good news when somebody texts on Sunday morning. And so I read the phone and it says, I completely forgot to get Amy flowers. On your way to church today, can you stop and get Amy flowers? And I was thinking to myself, this guy, I mean, they've been married a long time. They have kids, and, and, and yet he's still pursuing his wife. I was like, this is why he's the relationship expert, and I'm not, right? And then he says, it's Mother's Day, and of course I forgot to get her flowers. If you're in town, can you please stop and get her flowers? And then a couple moments later, I get the text, Amy responded to my happy Mother's Day text. It's next week. <laughs> there was a little bit of fear in all of you out there right now, wasn't there? <laughs> so Amy, join us. Share God's word. And this weekend, she's going to get to celebrate uh, her daughter graduating from Biola, which is a great Christian school in California. And she'll be getting flowers from Michael for Mother's <laughs> Day. So y'all welcome, Amy. Hopefully. Be better now, right? You know, you saw a whole week to prepare. The crazy thing is his birthday is on, uh, on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, oh, by the way, don't Facebook message him. Now everybody will, but you can um, because he hates his birthday. He hates celebrating his birthday. But, um, but anyway, he's so much older than me. <clears throat> Actually, he's not. I'm older than him. But he just looks older. He's so much more gray, right? And I'm just not ever going to be. I'm just going to keep dying it, right? Um, yeah, that's that's what my mom does, right? And her, her hair's not blonde still. But um, anyway, I am so glad to be here with you guys. This is like kind of like a little bit of a homecoming for, for Michael and I. Michael wishes he could be here, but he is. He's on the drive um, go, going to California, driving from here to California. Crazy, I know. Reagan just had to have that pop on chair. Uh, yeah, she's like, I just, I just have to have it home. I was like, we could buy you another one here for as much cost as it's going to be for dad to drive. Oh, but it won't be the same. 
Okay, yeah. So she's, yeah, so he's going to get a big U-Haul or something like that and carry all of her stuff back. Because you know how you just kind of collect stuff, right? So she's collected a lot of stuff. She's lived in the dorm the whole time in a very, very tiny dorm, um, 350 square feet was sharing with somebody else. Very, very small. Um, but anyway, so she's there, and um, but she's graduating um, next Friday, I think, and, and I'm going to be flying out there with um, David. David is our youngest, and David's 17. When he was around here, oh my gosh, he was the cutest little smushy kid when he was here. I mean, you know, now he's kind of older and teenager and big, and he's out selling books. So uh, he, we call him our merch man. Um, so he's an amazing, amazing kid, got such a great heart. So we've got, um, so that's David and Reagan, and then Cole is our oldest, and Cole is out. He actually, for those of you oil people, he um, works a lot on uh, the oil pads like Carrizo, right? Do y'all know where that is? That's kind of not very far, right? Okay. So he's kind of one of those guys now. So I'm like, okay, month on, month off, you know, they're doing that whole thing. So um, so he's out doing that, and uh, we're just blowing and going. We're in, uh, we live in uh, Magnolia now. We, we've been in like the spring woodlands. Now we moved a little bit further. I'm, I'm from Conroe. Does anybody, you were talking about, Kim's from Conroe. Oh my gosh, we have some more Conroe people. You're my people, right? I mean, you know, I, I moved to um, Misery for a while, I mean Missouri for a while, and quickly came back to Texas because I'm a Texas girl at heart. Um, I, you know, I went to Connor High School, graduated from Connor High, yeah, and um, and just and now living in Magnolia, I feel a little bit, you know, outside, you know, I feel a little bit closer to home. The Woodlands was a little too, you know, whatever, and so I feel I feel good, and, and you know, got a little acreage, you know, in in that um, in Magnolia. So super duper great great place to live for us. And um, again, so glad to be here. And my Michael did. He was like, you can use that. Because Michael is the goofy guy. For those of you that don't know, I mean... He's just goofy, and um, he is. He's so funny, and unfortunately, you didn't get the funny one. So I'm trying. I was like, I texted Michael, and I was like, Michael, I need a funny story because, oh, man, I'm just so serious. You know, I was like, I cried. I didn't, I didn't make him laugh, you know, and uh, he has not texted me back. So unfortunately, he may not get anything funny from me. I'm going to try to liven it up a little bit. But, um, but today, I want to talk about who is your bae? And, you know, for those of you that don't know that aren't as hip as, you know, people like me, you know, your bae, my bae, there's my bae right there. And if you don't know, have you seen him lately? He's like some pretty hot, man, he's a pretty hot looking dude, right? Oh, there he is. Look at him. He's so cute. Oh, your bae is your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your boo, your spouse, your crush. That's your bae. It's before anyone else. So it's the person you're going to call. You got, you got some good news? You want to call them before anyone else. That's your bae. But the crazy thing is, is that God should be our bae before anyone else. And I got this title actually from uh, our uh, where we are worshiping right now is that declaration of John Sherrill. And actually, Mike knows John really well. Um, I think they introduced, you know, introduced Christy and or something like crazy, crazy how the world connects. But anyway, Bay and David, our youngest, he got it in his head. I'm like, Bay, do you remember what Bay is? And he goes, Before everything, I mean, anyone else. I'm gonna go. Got it. All right. That's the title of my, my sermon, or that's the title of my talk, because guess what? If he can remember it, then I hope you will too. Bay, before anyone else. 
That's what we want God to be. We want God to be before anyone else. Over and over again in Scripture, it talks about how we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, right? And as we're doing that, as we're looking at that, I love the, this is the, uh, the, the passion translation of it. It says, Jesus answered them, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and every thought that is in within you. Every thought that is within you, wow, with your heart, with your strength, with your, with your heart, your mind, your strength. Man, if we could learn how to do that, wouldn't our lives be just a whole lot cleaner, a whole lot more healthy? What I love about God being our bay, Christians, a lot of times, people that aren't Christians, they don't really get it. And a part of the reason why they don't get it is they're like, wait a minute, because of their scriptures that are kind of like this next one, which was, we do need to count the cost of what is it going to be like for God to be our bay. And when God, when we count the cost, we do need to think about things that it is going to cost us. Like, um, do y'all remember back when the, uh, the rich young ruler, he's this guy with all this money. This is in Matthew 19. And uh, Matthew 19, and he, you know, he said, Jesus, I've, I've, I've kept all the commands. I've kept all your commands. Now, what, is there anything else that I need to do to receive your eternal life? And, you know, Jesus says, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing that. And he walked away in shame. Why do you think God would challenge that guy to sell everything he has? Is it wrong to be rich? No, it's not wrong to be rich. But what was ruling that guy's life? Money. So the, this is the greatest thing in the world is that God doesn't ever ask us to do anything that's not for our absolute best. He doesn't ask you to sell everything that you have just willy-nilly. He says, I'm challenging your heart because where is your heart? Where's your passion? Where's your passion, Amy? I can remember early on in Michael and I's life, you know, I mean, you know, I married Gary Smalley's son. So, I mean, this guy's written a ton of marriage books and stuff. So I really did think last hard decision of my life, you know, easy street. I mean, he knows everything there is to know about relationships and Lo and behold, if it did not turn out quite that way, you know, we kind of were in conflict. And I, but I can remember, um, you know, just feeling really immature. Sometimes you know that you're young and you're, and you're stupid, but you don't know you're young and stupid, right? And then you get to the place where you, you know you're young and stupid, right? Like, you, you know. I mean, especially, like, as a mother, you know, as a new mother, you're like, oh, wow, my mother is so much smarter than I thought she was, right? I mean, you're like, whoo! girl, I gotta, I gotta call you up and see, like, how did you get through this, right? So you kind of know that you don't know. And so I knew at a certain point in my life, or Michael and I's life, we had an opportunity for us to, um, it was kind of before eHarmony was like really taking off, and uh, we actually had um, these developers from, that would develop the South Beach Diet, and the South Beach Diet people were going to do a dating site with Michael and I. And they were talking some big old numbers. I mean, like, big old numbers. And I was like, wow. And you know what? It's like God challenged my heart. And he said to me, he goes, huh, wow. You're going to have a lot of money, Amy. What do you think you're going to do with that? And I went, oh, Lord. Oh, wow. And it challenged me. Because I was young and stupid, and because I was wise enough to say, I get it, I said to, him, I said to God, I said, God, you know what? If this is going to take away my relationship with you, if this is going to take anything away from my dependence on you, I don't want it. 
guess who doesn't have a dating site? <laughs> we don't. We didn't. And, um, and it didn't fall. It didn't go, go through. And it got all the way to like a certain point. We actually got, uh, got a little bit of just a chunk of change down. I mean, we were going there and they got bought out and boom, done. Done. They were like, oh, we're just going to stick with this. We're not going to go with the dating sites. We're going to strictly stick, stick with diets. So it was like it was done. But God knew. And I want to tell you, you probably know too. If you're in a place that you know that God is not your bay, and God is not the person that you're putting absolute first in your life, you kind of know. And you know sometimes when you're walking down a path and you go, ooh, this is probably going to cost me. Or, ooh, this is probably going to take me away from, this is probably not the best place for me to go tonight. But I'm going anyway. But if God was your bay and God was there with you, would you go? Would you do it? Would you sacrifice that? Would you choose that money over that relationship with God? I know for me, I had to make that choice and as hard as that was, and as I want to just say that I've lived my life in somewhat of that, I, I mean, I kind of get off track for a while. You know, I guess everybody kind of does. You know, you kind of get off track for a while, and you kind of get all grumpy. Did anybody get a grumpy Christian? I'm, I know, I I'm get grumpy sometimes. I'm like, oh, why can't I? Or why is that person getting that? And why can't I have that? Or why did da 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 And God goes, you know what? Because, little one, I, di I didn't plan that for you. I planned that for them. I didn't plan it for you. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because I didn't have that plan for you. Maybe you're not ready. So I love this. Hold on just a second. <clears throat> so we're going to count the cost. This is another one. This is crazy. Why would God put this in there? And this is Jesus replying, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple and does not care, who does not care, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What? That's kind of harsh, don't you think? Hate your father and mother? What? What is God talking about there? What is Jesus saying? Is he saying that you're supposed to hate your father and mother and your brother and your sister? Do you think that's really his intent, or is it more about a hierarchy? In the Old Testament, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're talking about Jacob, I'm talking about Leah and, uh, and Rachel, and I hate one wife. No, we're going to hate a wife, but being able to say, where's the priority? There's one that needs to take a priority. So there's going to be some times in our lives that we're going to have to really say, in what order Am I listening? In whose order am I listening? Am I listening to God first? My husband second. My family. My father. My sisters. My wise counsel. Then possibly my children or whoever else. We have to be willing to say, and we have to be willing to put in the investment of saying, God, you're my bay. You're my before anyone else. So before I go to the TV, before I go to Google, before I go to my friend, before I even go to my husband, God, I want you to, I want to go to you first. Because I want to ask you, where do you see me? Because there's a great, the great thing about it is, is this is where I feel like relationships really do lie. Because we're going to talk about this tonight. So excited, just the girls. Yeah, right. We're going to talk tonight. It's so fun. 
good. Um, and so we're going to talk about this conflict dance. And the conflict dance is all about kind of buttons and when your feelings get pushed and what happens. And when your feelings get pushed, your feelings of feeling um, belittled or devalued or rejected or whatever. I want to tell you, God needs to be the first one you go to when you have those feelings. Because we want to think about all the things of what she said, what she did, the judgment that she had, that he had, whatever, instead of going, God, what do you say? When Jesus was tempted, what did he say? He kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. When Satan would tempt him, he would come back with, with what? With scriptures. Because God was his bay. So we need to be able to say, back up. And be able to say, wait a minute, you know what? I'm feeling like really judged right now. God, what if this is truth? Because sometimes when people speak truth into our life, it truly is truth. But sometimes it might not be said in the right way. It might be said with a little harshness or, or maybe our timing might be off. I know for me that that's, you know, critical for me. Um, I, sometimes I don't need to comment on Michael's appearance when we're in the car. It's, you know, he's not going to change clothes magically. He doesn't have a natural shirt, you know, an extra shirt or, or a shaver in the car. Not going to happen, right? But being able to say, God, what if this is truth and what if it is not? So we need to be able to say that following Christ requires commitment, trust, and faithfulness. It is when we are faced with the painful choice of loyalty to our family versus loyalty to Jesus that we choose Jesus. And so in some sense, we are saying that we hate our family. We hate whatever. But it's more about just the priority. God is our bay before anyone else. It means that no love in our life can compare with the love that we give him. That was really hard for me, to be honest, because people love or like love that I can like touch. Like loving Michael is something like I can do for him. I can, I can see it. I can feel it. I can feel his love coming back to me. I can feel my parents' love coming back to me. And I, and I was like, that just felt so much more tangible. And so when God said, do you love me? Do you love me above, above all else? I'm like, well, I do, but I mean, Michael, I can like hold on to. And, and like my, my kids, I can hold on to them, right? And, and, and so, you know, I kept getting challenged in that. But guess what? But when we have intimacy with him and when we're feeling those feelings of doubt and fear, it is in those moments that God wants to tell you, you can feel him there. You can feel his love there. You can feel his calming spirit when our spirit gets all, mm, I want to call it wackadoo. I'll just say that, right? When our spirit gets all wackadoo, and yet we're able to pray it out and pray it through, that's God's peace and comfort that comes into us. That is God saying to me, that is why you can trust me. That is why your faithfulness to me is important. So we can be able to touch in some ways, be able to experience God's love and God's grace. And that's what I want for us. I want us to be able to be experiencing an intimacy with God that, that's not just I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. And I believe, yes, Jesus died on the cross and he did for my son, died for my sins. I, I want that. But as a follower of Christ, we want to know that a deeper reward, a deeper intimacy I, I don't want just, I don't want when Jesus and I, like when I, when I get to heaven, I don't want it to be like, you know, oh yeah, I know, yep, I know her. I want, to, I want Jesus, me and Jesus to be like high-fiving, being like, what's up? Yeah, I talked to you yesterday, how you doing? I want it to be like, like no big transition. 
I want it to be like there is an intimacy there and he knows me and I know him. But how are we ever going to know him and be able to really experience him until we invest time in him? Could you imagine if you didn't invest time in knowing your children? You didn't know them? You didn't know their likes or dislikes? You didn't really know and they weren't able to really talk to you? This is what the opportunity that we have as a follower. We have, I, I love this quote. This quote is by um, this Andy Stanley and, um, and, it's, and it's incredible. It says, God doesn't have favorites, but he has intimates. And those intimates are willing to walk in his will and rely on him to, sh to show the way. This requires trust, faith, and complete surrender. Man, complete surrender. Man, as we surrender more and more of our life, I, I want to tell you, trusting God is, the way that I like to think about it, um, is it's almost like little marbles. They're little marbles that we have. We have our marbles, and we put them, and we give them to God. And we say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to trust you. Back in the Old Testament, they used to give little markers. They used to say, okay, build an altar for this in remembrance of X, Y, Z, in remembrance of this, what God has done, God's faithfulness. Do you have those in your life? Do you have those little marbles that you were able to say, I trusted God there, and I'm so glad that I did? Because trust and faith and hope, they take an investment, do they not? They take an investment of your heart. They take an investment of your will. They take an investment of your mind to be able to say, I will think the thoughts that you want me to think, God. I will take my thoughts captive. I will make them conducive to your will and to what's over things are pure, what's over things are true. Being able to do that, being able to say, God, I want to live my life on purpose. Because truly, when we think about it, if we're denying all these things, we're denying, okay, I'm denying riches that, okay, if I, if I get rich, great, fine. But I don't want it to take away from my relationship with you, God. And you know what, if I have to deny, you know, telling my parents no, telling, you know, possibly my, my spouse, I, I, we have to pray on this, I have to think on this, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. God, I want you to be the top priority in my life. I want you to be my bay. If we want God to be our bay before anything else, then it's going to take us trusting him in faithfulness and in gentleness and trusting his gentleness. But what do we get out of that? What's the reward? I always want to know what the reward is, right? So we got the cost, but what's the reward? The reward is we get to do what we were created to do. We get to be who God has called us to be. Our identity is not going to be in something other than what he says it is. Because you know what? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come so we have life and have it to abundance. Man, how, is that, how does that work? How does the Christian life work? We're supposed to lay down our life, you know, so that we can have it. What? Wait, we're supposed to, you know, take upon his yoke. And his yoke is light. That doesn't really make sense, does it? But the more you get to know God, and the more you get to walk in this intimacy with God, the more sense it makes. Because God truly does want what is best for you. You laying down the stuff, it's hindrances that he's asking you to lay down. 
He's not asking you to lay anything down that, you, that is not absolutely for your best. And then he says to you, this is the good stuff. And this is the stuff that's, ah, oh, incredible. You get to be used by him for his purpose. Don't we all want to have meaning? I don't, I don't know about you, but when someone, you know, I was, I was talking to someone and they just, oh, I don't really believe in that whole God thing. I, I don't believe in that. It's not, you know. And I'm like, well, where do you get your hope from? Where does your love come from then? Ask somebody that that doesn't, isn't a believer. Well, where does your hope come from? Well, I don't know. It comes from me. Oh, really? It comes from you. So you're your own hope. Yep. Okay. I, and I just said, wow, I just want to let you know I'd let myself down a lot. Because I, I, I have to hope in something bigger than me. And I have to trust in something bigger than me. Because I'm going to tell you there's some times that I get it. We're all struggling. I've struggled. Um, Michael and I uh, took care of Poppy, Michael's dad, the last year and a half of his life. And um, it was a tremendous honor. It was the hardest, best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, Michael's mom, lover, she lives with us now. She, she, um, when, when Michael's dad went on um, hospice, I, you know, it was hard. I was not ready. I, I, I wasn't. He, he was like my best friend. I'll just let you know. I mean, like when he went to the hospital, I went to the hospital. So like I was like on the couch next to him, you know, putting my little, you know, day bed together and all that good stuff. I don't know if any of you guys have ever done it, but whoo, it's, it can be some, you know, rehab after, you know, after hospital stays. And, um, and that was hard. Christians go through hard things, but we have hope. And, and I hope that Poppy's hope will give you hope. So when he, t- he said, you know, we told him, you know, Poppy, you're, you have another UTI, another urinary tract infection. Looks like you're going to go in the hospital again and da-da-da. And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to go in the hospital. And Mike was like, well, I mean, you know, we could do this ho- hospice thing, take you off all your drugs and, you know, and you could just kind of go peacefully. And he was like, you know, I'm in. Let's do it. And uh, I was like, whoa, okay, let's think about that for a minute. You know, I don't know. And when they told me, I was like, no, 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 no. We're not ready. No, no, no. That's, no, we're not ready for that. Because, like, you'd like, you know, I'm thinking, like, you die, like, a week or two weeks or something. Come find out it was, like, two weeks. But, um. But he, you know, when he, when I was like, well, what am I going to say to people when they, all these people are going to want to say goodbye to you, and, 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 and what, do, what do I say to them? And he just looked at me, and he just goes, see ya. <laughs> see ya. Just tell him, see ya. See ya in heaven, right? Because he was graduating. He was graduating to go home. He was saying, I'm done. I'm done with this world. I fulfilled my purpose. I have saved as many marriages as I'm probably going to save right now. It's your turn, Amy and Michael and Greg and Aaron and Karen and Roger, you know, and your descendants. You guys go. And he literally, when he passed away, when he was graduating, he literally was being blessed into heaven. So there was a man that was there. His name was um, Michael Borner. Michael Borner was literally praying over him and saying all these testimonies of these marriages that he had saved. And, and Michael tells the story. you got to have him come back because it's actually very, very funny. Um, I can't make it funny. Well, I could, but not nearly as funny as he is. Does And so, you know, I can't ruin his story because if he comes, he will definitely tell it um, because yeah, it's very traumatic and funny at the same time. Um, but, but we loved him. We loved him. And um, he died surrounded by all the people that he loved. And, and, but his purpose was fulfilled. Because you know what? 
Because in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship. We are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared for you good things to do. Get your house in order. Get your life in order. When you get your life in order and your priorities are in order, you're going to be listening to him. So that when he says to you, hey, you know that thing that you've been really wanting to do? Guess what? Let's go. Man, I'm providing the way. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what your good work is. But I know that God is ready and able Look at this in Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power, that is, it, that is his work within us. Man, I love this. To the extent that he is allowed to work in us will be the evidence of the work that he can do through us. He has to do something in you so that he can do it through you. You cannot give to someone else. This is psychology, right? This is like what we learned. You cannot give to someone else what you don't have. I cannot give you grace if I do not have it. I cannot give you hope if I do not have it. I cannot tell you truth until I have it. Where does your hope lie? Who is your bay? If your bay is Jesus, and your bay is God, and you're saying, God, I see you. God sees you. In the intimacy, in the hard moments of, of Poppy going, and he, when he was graduating, and, and everything was going really hard, and it was hard, and I really wanted to say my what for and some, you know, some things. Tell some doctors some stuff. Tell some people some stuff, right? I don't know if any of you have done any. Who here has been an advocate for someone's care? I mean, you just, I'm just telling you, you want to tell your what for, right? I mean, you just, you, there's some times that you just got to step it up and got to go, he needs his medication or he needs this or you can't poke him again or, you know, whatever, right? And guy's going, hmm, 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 zip it, zip it, you're mine. <laughs> Be gentle. Be kind. When I so sometimes in my personality, I so want to do. I'm a doer, right? You get me in the grits of something, I want to do it. And God, God has told me, you wait. You wait. I don't know if God's telling you to wait, telling you to be quiet. But he's leading you and he's guiding you. And you don't know that he's literally leading you or guiding you until you take those moments where you're so frustrated because you got to think that those emotions that you have, those are opportunities for you to invite God in. To invite God into your heart, to be able to say, God, you are doing something in me. And so I want you to do it in me. Fix me so that I can pour it out and so I can give it out to other people. Because I know that you can do immeasurably more than I could think or ask. So as I close today, I just want to tell you this, that what would it be like to not to be driven by fear or anxiety or any of those buttons or guilt or shame or failure or insecurity or disconnection or abandonment, control, loneliness, unacceptance, unworthiness. All those things are things that we all naturally have. We all naturally, those buttons get pushed. What if you took every single one of those and you said, God, you want to work on that with me? 
You want to use that, what Satan means for bad, what Satan means to steal, kill, and destroy. Rome, that's John 10.10. 10. What Satan wants to use to kill me, you have promised me abundant life. You have promised that you will turn all of this around. You will turn the weakest part of who I am. You will turn it around and you will use it for your glory. Man, what a bang. Why wouldn't I want that? Why wouldn't you want that before anyone else? God is our bay. Thank you. You know, Amy, you said that compared to Michael's talks, that wouldn't be funny. Well, compared to my talks, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what a breath of fresh air, right? Wow. Gang, before anything else, that's our relationship with God. And as we step into our time of commitment, I want to talk to the church about that. Believers in Jesus, can you say here and now, God is before anything or anyone else in my life? My love for him makes my love for my kids seem like and feel like hate. My love for him compared to how I love my spouse, my boyfriend or girlfriend, is, it's like hate because of the degree to which I love God. And then church, as you consider that, are you tapping into the purpose that God has called you for and gifted you for and equipped you for? You realize that you are a good work of God. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for him. Insert your name right there, Mike, is his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Insert your name. You are his creation, and he desires to work through you, even through some of the most challenging places in your life. I love how Amy referenced those trigger points that can often be frustrations and often cause us to, to react in, in negative ways. What if those trigger points, what if those pressure points, what if those buttons or God's way of saying, hey, here's where we're going to work next. Instead of you saying, hey, I, I got to respond like this in anger or bitterness or frustration or whatever. What if that's God saying, this is how we're going to work next. This is where we go next. I love that picture. I love that perspective. Because God is always working, church. If you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus, I want to encourage you to take your first step with Christ. And that's to believe in him and to find life. The Bible says that he died in your place because the sins that we did, the sins that we do, separate us from God. So Jesus died in our place and they buried him. But our hope lives today because three days later that stone was rolled away and the tomb is empty. And Jesus, the Bible says he is both Lord and Savior and he invites us to believe in him. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner who needs a Savior and you are my Savior. If today's your day to believe, I encourage you to take that step. Let's pray together and ask God to move in our midst and to work among us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the life you offer is real and lasting forever, and it's new and best for us. So God, I pray that you would help us to say yes to the life you have for us. I pray the church would say yes. I pray that the church would say yes to being your workmanship, to do what you call them to do. I pray the church would say yes to helping, uh, to, to putting you in the proper place in their life. No longer will they allow 
anything or anyone to come before you. And God, as the church prays, and, and maybe right now, friends, you need to just ask God, what is it that you've called or gifted me to do? How can I serve you with that? And is there anything that I'm putting before you that's keeping me from experiencing the intimacy and the impact that you desire for me? As the church prays, if today's your day to believe, I encourage you to, to mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and you are the Savior. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 